Welcome to High Heels in Politics, the podcast where we talk with the leaders of Ohio and beyond. And now, your host, Marianne Christie. Hello, all. This is producer Ryan Kulik to introduce part two of Marianne's conversation with Susie Chaffee. In this part of the podcast, we go into Susie's post-Olympic career, her activism in the 1970s, and even talk a bit about some of the things she's doing today to help the athletes of today and to help the planet in general. I do want to say that there were some sound issues, some technical issues getting through this podcast, and a lot of it had to be uh, taken away or cut out, and we are going to revisit in the future, especially some things uh, dealing with Susie's fight for the planet today, the things she's working on, and also her own personal experience with things like skin cancer. So look forward to that into the future. But I wanted you guys to hear this because it's great information, especially about Susie's time as a model, a spokesperson, and being known by a completely different name at, like Susie Chapstick. So without further ado, here's Marianne and Susie Chaffee. High Heels and Politics podcast is presenting the second part to the Susie Chaffee Olympic skier and three times world freestyle champion. She used her celebrity status to institute major changes for athletes and women around the world. I want to move on to your new role as a celebrity star to share your years in the spotlight as a New York international model, a film actress, TV commentator, along with skiing with some of the most famous people and rulers of countries around the world. As a top world model, share with the listeners your life as a model. You were the face of many well-known products such as Revlon, and you became Susie Chapstick. Let's start with your role as a model for years. Well, I was a Ford model with Eileen Ford in New York in order to pay for all my activism. Actually, when I was leading with the reform of the Olympic system, using my star power from the 68 Olympics and wearing the silver suit that got world headlines, you know, had a chance to do so much good. And it was in the papers that I was taking on Avery Brundage, who sold out America to the socialist countries. So we were so poor, we had to, remember, we had to borrow money from the Norwegians to get from Yugoslavia to the Grenoble Olympics, and then guessed at the wax. So I leaned forward, I was at Sunny Griffin's shower. She was having a baby, and she was like the number one model, highest paid model in the world. That was when they finally, she got a paycheck higher than the president of the United States. This was in the 70s. She was choking on one of those little bugle things at the party. And people were, they don't know what to do because she was, you know, she was such a fierce woman that no one dared touch her. And I slapped her on the back. The bugle fell out and she said, oh my God, you saved my life. Two weeks later, she fired me because she couldn't understand why I was helping others. And even though it was cutting into my time as a model in New York, I was just flabbergasted because I thought that's what we should do in life where we have to find our higher purpose our gift to others and then give it back but I use modeling to actually more in Europe to be able to live in different countries in France and Italy and England Lord Snowden was the photographer the wife of the the husband of um, Princess Margaret she gave me a full page 
headshot in their Vogue magazine and the covers of all these magazines. And But of course, the, the chapstick is the one that really put me on the map and household name. Do you want to know how that all started? Yes. <laughs> well, my mom, your aunt, did a little Cyrano de Bergiac on me and sent a note from me to Kennerly, David Kennerly, Ford's, uh, President Ford's uh, Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, photographer, and then Obama's, and said that I was going to be in the neighborhood skiing, and I would like to give you or President Ford, you know, some ski tips or something like that. And so I get this call, and I go, oh, my God, Mom, I got a call from the White House. And she never said anything. But it was so brilliant because President Ford... I had introduced a bill in Congress to give athletes representation in all sports boards. Remember that when the ping pong players opened up China and then they got killed by the uh, fight between the AAU and the NCAA. So uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. came up with a study to solve this and then he got assassinated. So General Gavin was the hero of D-Day um, who worked with my father because, you know, great engineer. He built the two-stage, the 30-foot uh, nose cone of the first two-stage missile for von Braun. I'm so proud of him. So he called me and said, I like what you did in the European theater. Reforming the Olympic system, would you take the study and run with it? So Mark Fleischman at Mount Snow got Gravel and Thurman, the two extremists, <laughs> and they introduced our bill that President Ford then updated with a through his uh, Olympic commission, and we solved problems for that on the chairlift. And he was so lovely, like like I forgot my gloves or something. He gave me his, you know, I mean, I had gloves that were, were warm enough. And I mean, he was just, and I had to do a, a command performance for him, which was very scary, but, uh, and I pulled it off. But everybody was criticizing them for falling so much. So I put, this is in the very beginning of using music on skis. So I put the song Young Americans on him and he started finally relaxing. And, and then when we got to the bottom of the hill, there were all the press there. And I said, I would like to challenge any of you press people to take on President Ford. He is the fittest president we've had since JFK. And I said, any takers? And nothing. So that kind of to help turn around his uh, career. And then I skied with the Empress of Iran. It was part of a tourism thing in 1978 with Billy Kidd, my Olympic teammate from Vermont. And we did a, a synchronized ski ballet. And she was incredible, just turn for turn of those two Olympians. And then when I showed her from some ski ballet, and she was just amazing. And then 40 years later, a teenager who was there put that video on YouTube, and he said it melted the hearts of the Iranians around the world towards Americans. So sports can do so much for humanity. But back to the chapstick thing. After I skied with President Ford, and then after that, Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, to help get Title IX through, but that's another thing. He invited me, Kennerly invited me to lunch with Ford's hotshot Madison Avenue ad guy, Jim Jordan. And so Jim was asking me what I was doing. And, and so I explained a little bit. And he says, 
wow, he says, you have done so much for others, for humanity. I'd like to offer you any commercial you want. And that's like so surreal. And then I found myself saying, well, I, after appreciations, of course, um, to both of them, I said, I would like to do one with a fun fitness message that I got from the Germans who cut it, copied the Scandinavians about making fitness fun in America because no one, the president's council at that point said, if you don't stay fit, you're going to die of a heart attack. Not exactly what sells fitness. So we took parts of a movie from Snowbird, Willie Bogner's film, and did the close-ups and Mark, and Mark Stigemeyer, and I did a double ballet in it, and the headshots, the close-ups in Central Park, and that was one of the biggest hits in history. They say 15 comedians did spoofs on it, and it was in movies, and and so it was called Susie Chapstick, Chapstick ever since. What it did is moms, thousands of moms told me, they inspire, I inspired their little girls to do sports, and the guys in the movie, like Mark Stegemeyer was called Mark Chapstick, my brother's were called chapsticks and I mean it was just and all these little chapstick girls grew up to like this president of Trend Lightly she says I was called Susie Chapstick growing up so it was so beautiful to be able to have that effect that did pay for my activism back in those days because I was paying for everything you know the reform in the Olympic system the title IX amateur sports act that was all out of my pocket and time well, you talk about you know, the young girls. You played the major role in helping every young woman in the United States to have uh, an opportunity participate in sports with the work you did in getting Title IX passed. Let's talk about Title IX. What is it, Susie, and why? Title IX came out of actually my brothers, my wonderful Olympic brother, Harvard ski team brothers. Whenever I won a ski race, it didn't really matter that much because it was against the girls. And actually, when Marsha, remember Marsha Fletcher, she beat the boys. And that made me feel like, wow, that means um, that women's, we are valuable. What we do are, is valuable. And then, of course, Billie Jean like, later helped on that. When I was offered training at University of Denver, where my brother was a superstar on their team that won all the NCAA championships, when it came time to go skiing, I had the dry land, they said, you can't ride in the team car because you don't have NCAA insurance. And I said, well, how do I get that? And they said, well, you have to pass the male physical. In other words, I had to have male organs. So I had to hitchhike 80 miles up to the mountains and back. I thought, this is dead wrong. So when the PE Teachers of America, the president, Carol August Oglesby, asked me to lead the Title IX march, I was all in. And my mother, who was on her shoulders, I stand, and I helped lead this march. And then I go, oh, we led a march. We should be able to have a meeting at the White House. So I called up the White House and Mondale invited us the next day. And I brought Billie Jean King and they brought the lawyers. And we thought, oh, we're going to get this enforced. Uh, Title IX, which uh, Birch Bayh had introduced in 1970. Here it was 1976. And it had not been enforced. So nothing happened. And so I thought we were going to be in good shape. And then I got invited 
by, I was director of, of skiing at um, Mount Snow. And again, Mark Fleischman, um, the owner, his buddy was Birch Bay, And so we all went skiing together. And on the lift, Birch says, that was beautiful leading that march, but that's not going to get it enforced. And I, I was like in shock. And he says, you got to get Ted Kennedy. There are minnows and there are whales in Washington. He's the head of the Senate, Senate uh, Health Committee. He's a whale. You should go skiing with him. And I said, perfect. I'm skiing with President Ford on working on the other issue. And sure enough, I called up and I was invited to ski with him. And on a lift in Aspen, I said, you know, Senator Kennedy, who was a great skier, by the way, could have been an Olympian. The right to sport is the right to health, I believe. We need to give girls that opportunity because they grow up to get their whole families healthy. And he says, you're absolutely right. My sisters had those opportunities and they have healthy families. And so he put this under his wing for 40 years. And then fortunately, bipartisanship is so important in this because I was on the President's Council on Physical Fitness under George Bush Sr. I had a talk with him about Title IX and supporting it. And he said, we had a heated discussion. And then the next meeting, he came up and said, you were right. My, I was misinformed about Title IX and I support you. So I actually helped campaign for him then because I had asked him to support it. And, and I said, I don't normally you know, campaign for anybody. But if you in principle believe in Title IX, I might, I could. They called up 10 minutes later. They said, you've got his support. And so that's how those two great leaders put Title IX out of their wing. And 40, 50 years later, the McKinsey Global Study, when I called them up to thank them about raising awareness that if we pass the Paycheck Fairness Act in the Senate, like the House, it would boost the economy 4.3 trillion so we could afford a renewable powered America now. We're only 20% renewable now. And that's why we have so many fires. The snow is melting. The ski industry is dying. So then I thought later on, I wonder what Title IX did for America. So I called back and I said, would, do you have any idea what we did, what Title IX did for America? Their leading author did some studies on this and they called me back and they said it boosted the economy $3 trillion since the 70s because it boosted, what do you call employment, the workforce by 30% because women had a chance to get the education, to get the jobs, and then the sports to uh, have the chutzpah to go for their dream jobs. You know, before that, you would enlighten me about how women they could get jobs as uh, typists or secretaries or, uh, you know, so they were so limited on what they could get. And so that this exploded for women. And I'm so proud that, you know, we were able to make a difference. And it's sports leaders that helped pave that way and using our fame, like Billie Jean King did. You've always worked for others and you still are. 
You're the co-founder of the Native American Olympic Ski Foundation. And the reason is it's to bridge the gap between Native Americans and mainstream Americans culture through sports. You've had, you work with the National Ski Areas Association, CEO. They can help contribute to making, bringing snow dances at these major ski resorts. And you've also had the help with two-time gold medalist, Michaela Schifferin, who will be part of the 2022 Olympics. Okay. I honor Kelly Pollack, who is the new president of the National Ski Areas Association, for helping save our sport during COVID. She got together with Michaela Schifrin, who is the superstar of, you know, and the big hope, like I was, but in a smaller way, (laughs) of these Beijing Olympics. She helped educate people to use safety precautions about the with, with COVID wearing masks and distancing so that they were able to keep all the ski areas open during COVID when everything so much else was shutting down to really save our sport. And that's one of the healthiest you, things you can do is outdoors is and being safe, but you do have to take certain precautions. So now we want to ha- We're asking her to help give more women opportunities and Native Americans opportunities like one day of skiing in exchange for a tax credit so that it'll inspire the Native American elders to lead snow dances that have helped been saving the Olympics since the 1960 Olympics in Tahoe. They switched the name of Squaw Valley to Olympic Valley recently, which was very wise to do because it was derogatory. And then Vail was the next one that did a, when they couldn't open their ski area, they had no snow. They asked the youth to lead a snow dance. And then the squab at the Salt Lake Olympics, they asked our foundation to organize a snow dance for the Utah elders that gave them snow because they had didn't have enough to even test the equipment the year before. So it happened that day in the middle of the race. And so we had a peaceful Olympics and which is so important because it's the greatest force of peace on earth. How can people contact you? You've got these different things you're working on presently. How can people contact you if they want to in some way participate? They want to help restore mother earth with us. Oh my God, that would be so important for your children too. They can contact us through our website, the Native American Olympic Team Foundation.org or NAOTF.org. I also do, with things opening up more, I also do corporate ski retreats, which I just love. And I love helping people who may be a little freaked out in the beginning of skiing to help them truly enjoy it using my technique, more of a feminine approach, holding hands, and they can actually learn how to do some ski ballet, holding hands the first day, and even a 360. Thank you. Thank you for a great podcast. Oh, I love you. You are doing such important work for humanity. Okay. Thank you. High Heels and Politics is produced by Marianne Christie and Ryan Kulik. Engineered by Ryan Kulik. Music by Sherrod Sate. 
Subscribe to High Heels and Politics on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all of your podcast networks.